Welcome to the Poetry Society of Texas podcast. I'm Terry Jude Miller, your host for this episode. Tonight, our guest is Jenna Pashley-Smith, a poet, author, and artist. Welcome, Jenna. Thanks for having me, Terry. I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you. So let's discuss the poem that you're going to be reading for us today. Where did the inspiration for this poem come from? This poem is set uh, in my grandparents' home in New Jersey. They were big yard decoration people. My father actually used to talk about being embarrassed by how many Christmas decorations they put up. But by the time that I came around, all I remember was a doe and a fawn statue, which lived by the front steps of their house. And I would measure my growing up by how much taller I was than the deer, how more chipped the ears were or the paint flaking off into the sandy soil. There wasn't much to play with at their place, so I remember walking around the trees and just being surprised by how different the landscape was in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey to the southern Indiana forests of sassafras and persimmon trees I was used to. Mm -hmm. Now, you wrote this for a Poetry Society of Texas annual competition. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I tend to be a procrastinator, so I wrote this poem in a blitz of pre-annual competition writing. I need a fair amount of momentum to write well, so sometimes when I'm writing poetry, it will be spurts. So I'll go kind of frantic and frenetic and write, 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 and then I will put it aside for a few days and edit them when my muse leaves. So when I wrote this poem... It was more or less complete after I wrote it, and I realized that it would be a good fit for this contest if I just did a little bit of editing to kind of make it a tiny bit more formal, and Mm -hmm. so I kept that in mind as I approached the edits. Okay. So tell us about the craft of the poem, about what do you use to help drive the conceit of the poem, the vehicles that you use within it. Just tell us a little bit about that. Sure. I like to play with visuals and repetition in unexpected ways. So when I discovered that this particular poem had an opportunity to pose as something more formal, although it is free verse, I had to try. I don't know how to write metered rhyming verse, and I'm very impressed with people who can, but that is not how my brain functions. I didn't train as a poet. As a child, I was exposed to lots of nursery rhymes, Bible stories, fairy tales, And those feature heavily as themes in one form or another in my poems. I was also a voracious reader, which taught me which kinds of writing I enjoyed and wanted to emulate. But as far as poetry goes, I think it was my training as a classical singer, which was one of the strongest inspirations for my poetry. I realized way too late that I was in the wrong degree program because I sing well, but I'm definitely not a musician. I was mostly in it for fancy dresses and poems. And the thing about art songs and classical music is those are usually poems just set to music. And so spending four years studying poetry gave me another set of tools to use with the music as well. There's rhythm and stress, the sounds of things and diction and repetition, as well as the importance of daily practice. Yeah, there's usually a rhythm to my pieces that informs the words as they come out of my brain and into my fingers. Okay. 
So what poets have influenced your writing? The first poet that I really remember liking from myself was E.E. E. Cummings. I also have some old copies of Archie and Mahidabel on my shelves, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed a lot as a teenager and in college. More recently, I would say Billy Collins, Diane Gilliam Fisher, Sarah Lindsay is one of my all-time favorite poets. Mm-hmm. And through her, I learned about Lucia Perillo and other poets of disability, also Maggie Smith and Fernando Pessoa. Are any of these Brazilian or Portuguese poets? Fernando Pessoa is, and he he wrote some, he's quite well known for his alter egos that he writes in. Mm-hmm. So do you read him in Portuguese or do you read him in English? I do read him in both. Okay, wonderful. So why write? Why do you write? Why should other people write? Well, poetry is cheaper than therapy. <laughs> I, do, I do make up most of what I write. So it, it's hard to tell if I'm telling my own story or someone else's or a story that's just in my head. I don't like to write myself into poems very often. I'm not interested in sharing those parts of myself with the reader. I'm more interested in finding cracks in our preconceptions and slipping in curiosities. The didactic tradition, which Sarah Lindsay is often considered a didactic poet, and the scientific aspect of that poets often go in those ways, it's it's fascinating to me. I just love exploring the world and its oddities through poems. I also like writing about the supernatural and the religious, but the parts that are often ignored or missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in a rural area with a lot of poverty. And so when I'm writing, a lot of times those are the people and places that come up. I want to write about them with love and not derision. Mm-hmm. And so those are often the personas that you'll find in my poems. Mm-hmm. And what influence did your life in South America have on your poetry? Well, I spent almost seven years coming back and forth as an immigrant in Brazil. I was sometimes legal and sometimes (laughs) not. More than half of that time, I was a missionary and a social worker. So I was working with people who were literally or functionally homeless or living on the edge of poverty. Mm -hmm. And so one of the places that I lived in and loved was the favela or the slum communities, sometimes Mm -hmm. people call them. So those are places that feel like home to me. I see cars rusting up on blocks or places tanked with gang graffiti and bullet holes. And I'm like, oh, look, that's home. Oh my goodness. Uh, those experiences have just sort of flipped my perspective. And so I hope that that shows through in my poetry and the other things that I write. There was an article, an interview recently with the author Carrie Callahan, who says that she writes dirt spec, which is mm-hmm. speculative fiction that prioritizes an economically disadvantaged viewpoint in characters. And that resonates with me, and I often try to let that come out in my poems. Why are readers driven by that? Why are we always want to see these people that are not common in our lives, and we're just so curious about them? What do you think drives that? Well, I think that there's that opportunity for empathy, and, and it's also a, it's a comfortable place to learn. So it's definitely not comfortable to learn about poverty and violence by living in a place where you could be hit by a bullet 
So right. it would be much nicer, you know, to do that from the comfort of your own living room, but it also puts you inside the head of the person that you're reading about or the story that you're in. And I think that's why it's also really important that when we write those things, we write them from a place of knowledge and experience because you're giving the reader that viewpoint and you don't want to give them the wrong one. I see. So why is poetry important today? I think poetry is important because it gives us a freedom to engage with the world in non-conforming ways. So you can use it as a tool to see how you see the world or to see the world in a new, fresher way and share that with others. Things are, let's see, it's non-judgmental and generally non-threatening. And it has a really low cost of entry. So you can write a poem on a napkin while your friend is in the bathroom and you don't even have to show it to them. Twitter's also become a really good venue for people to share their poetry and not have to work too hard with 140 or 200 and is it 280 now? I don't even know. But <laughs> there's not that many characters that, that you need right. for Twitter. So Right. And I've found that writing in forms that are extremely truncated and social media platforms that are extremely truncated really sharpens your skill in writing longer poems. When I first started writing, I wrote as a modern minimalist, and we were driven to put as few words in the poem and still come away with the big bang, it was called, at the end. Sure. So, you know, it's a good viewpoint. It's well said, talking about Twitter and how people put haiku and other poetry out there. So what other advice would you give writers who are seeking to get into poetry today? I would say that ideas are everywhere. So all you need to do is look and find what interests you, what makes you take notice, or mm -hmm. have your feathers ruffled. What brings questions to your mind and then make poems out of those things? And okay. of course, you should definitely join the Poetry Society of Texas. Because, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a great way to get into poetry on the local level, even if there's not necessarily a chapter where you are. There's just, we have so much talent in our state and mm -hmm. I've made some lovely friends through the Poetry Society of Texas, even though I've never been to an actual meeting and I've gained some good volunteer experience as well. So... Oh, good. What are your ideas of expanding poetry circles? What, do you have any ideas about that? How to get more and more people interested in writing poetry? Yeah, I think that we need to just keep expanding our circles and reaching out to people that have the time and the inclination to write. I think retirees definitely should be into it, poetry, but also I'd like to see that bringing people together intergenerationally so that we can learn from each other. Mm -hmm. And I'm always excited by people who are working with populations that are often overlooked, like prisoners or the homeless, mm -hmm. marginalized immigrants, as well as just anything happening, having to do with schools. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Poetry is, is a wonderful vehicle. It's a wonderful platform to work from. I, I like poetry. I like teaching it to at-risk and marginalized people. Because it's easy, as you said before, to get into, and it's easy for someone to write a three-line poem and get their thoughts out and get their emotions out. And I think that once we get things on paper, that once we get them on paper, we can reflect on them better and we can think about them more.
and it really isn't that what poetry is it's it's just yeah. thinking and a sharing of thinking jenna thank you so much for being our guest tonight i can't tell you how forward i've been looking to this interview so thank you oh, thank for you, being Jared. here tonight oh wonderful it's wonderful to have you here this has been a Poetry Society of Texas podcast featuring Jenna Pashley Smith. Visit the website at poetrysocietyoftexas.org. The podcast producer is me, Terry Jude Miller. Music is provided by Ed and Mem Frita. Technical editing by J. Darrell Kirkley. Visit again after another episode of the Poetry Society of Texas podcast. <laughs>